for Dynamic Deputies. Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Deputies podcast run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country. Steve, it's great to be back after quite a long spell. Oh, absolutely, Russell. It's been a long time coming and a huge welcome to all of our listeners today and a big thank you for your patience whilst waiting for the next episode to arrive. Now, Steve, we've had a bit of time off from the podcast. I did a short episode on my own a few weeks ago, just reminding our listeners, well, one, that we exist and that we haven't disappeared (laughs) off the planet. Uh, But also, look, we're all humans working in schools and sometimes we simply just have other stuff on. And that's certainly been the case for us both, well, for some months now. But you've had a particular challenge of late. I'm sure you don't mind uh, mentioning to our listeners. No, not at all. Look, day before Christmas Eve, I was involved in a car accident where I got rear shunted. And since then, Russ, I think I saw you just after Christmas, actually. And that was my last day of health. So I don't know what it says about us going out to play pool and have a few drinks. But definitely since then, I've suffered with, uh, well, what could be described as a back issue, a bit of a pain in the ass, maybe. <laughs> and a, and a, a, a bit of a left leg issue, which has kind of rendered me a bit useless for like the last four or five months now you know when you go to hospital and they know who you are before you sign in that's how it's been for me um so yeah sad get the violins out but um i wanted to be fit before 40 i think i've adapted it now to be fat before 40 because i've got six months to go russ and i haven't been able to do anything for months so yeah not too good but hey this is what happens when you approach 40 you think you're a cool little footballer and everything, but you can't actually do anything. And your back creaks and your body moans just at the sight of getting up, doesn't it? It does. And just to clarify, we weren't playing pool and drinking the day you got, as you said, <laughs> rear shunted, which is the first time that phrase has ever made its way onto the podcast. So that's a first. There we go. Well. But yeah, and, and a slightly milder degree. I've had exactly the same problem. I was mm. not re- rear shunted, which I'm not going to say anymore, but I have had <laughs> middle-aged back problem at a lesser degree than steve for some months Mm. and it sounds ridiculous but something as simple as sitting down at our desks to do a podcast is actually really really difficult for us both so i'm at a standing desk as we speak which i've never done in the past and my legs are already aching and steve sat down but he's uh he's got plenty of meds to uh, enable him to do that so we apologize that we've been away but very grateful for all of you who have thought well we're not going to abandon russ and steve we'll go back through the back catalogue and enjoy some old episodes really appreciate that so after this long spell away steve we wanted to return with a topic that was particularly relevant for me at the moment steve now i've been a senior leader uh, well for quite a while now across numerous schools and in each of those roles i've had a very different teaching commitment so my first assistant head role at the school we worked at together, I was in the class for half the time as a year five teacher and half out as an assistant head. Then I moved to Devon and in that second uh, senior position, I came completely out of class due to it being a more substantial assistant head position in a very large and challenging three, four entry primary school. And my head there was very keen that I was out of class. So I had capacity to support him with the, the leadership challenges there. Then at my current school, uh, when I moved there as a deputy head, um, I've covered PPA routinely for about four and a half years. So kind of a day a fortnight because we block it as a as a day. 
uh, with a fair few other sort of additional bits of cover, you know, those incidental things covering a bit of absence or uh, we have students in the school quite a lot, uh, teachers, students, and uh, they need a, an hour release with their teacher a week. So I've done things like that uh, across the school, Steve. But at the end of last term, uh, one of my colleagues in year one left the school for a new post outside of education. Um, but that was quite short notice. And my head teacher needed to problem solve quite quickly, Steve, and <laughs> ask me and uh, another teacher who was doing a slightly different role in the school, some PPA in the role to go into a job share together and cover year one for the whole of the summer term. So, Steve, Woo! I'm now in year one for two days a week in a lovely year one class. You have to say that. I mean, that is a dramatic <laughs> change of circumstance for you. Whilst um, you're extremely positive about it, I can just imagine teaching commitment I know will never phase you, but... Russ, it's a different age range altogether for you. <laughs> well, the teaching commitment did phase me in terms of, uh, like a lot of my colleagues at the time said, God, are you worried? And it was like, I'm not worried about teaching. I love teaching. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about juggling all the bits that I've got to do again. You know, I've been very fortunate as a deputy head. A lot of deputy heads teach that much or more, you know, full-time teaching deputies out there. I know that, particularly in smaller schools. But I've been fortunate to have a lot of leadership capacity. I've never been sat around twiddling my thumbs with that. I'm, I'm a busy guy. There's mm -hmm. lots that uh, I have on as a deputy head. So I was more worried in taking on those two days of teaching each week that something would give, you know, either in my leadership or in the teaching. So I think we all take pride in the work we do and we want to do a good job of it all. And I was kind of having flashbacks to that assistant head role at the school we worked at together, mm -hmm. which was a dream. A lot of people want that kind of 50-50 role. Um, it was great at the time, but I know that I felt in that role at the time that I often was doing one thing well and the other one not so well. So I was either being a good senior leader or I was being a good teacher. So I guess I was a bit nervous that I might be back in that place a bit, Steve. But yes, year one was a, a big change for me. I have been a key stage two teacher for a very long time. And to step back down into key stage one was, uh, was, a, was a bit of a change. <laughs> Interesting to say the least. And this has got us reflecting on the importance of senior leaders continuing with some sort of teaching responsibility. This episode is our reflections on both the positives and the negatives of this. And we'll also be sharing some thoughts from our followers online. Isn't that right, Russ? Yeah, that's right. So I think we should head straight over to our Facebook and Twitter account, Steve, and use these responses as a kind of stimulus for our conversation. And I'll be reflecting on some of the things I've noticed already just a few weeks, Steve, into, uh, into my teaching commitment. So it's a good time to remind our listeners that our Facebook group is called The Teachers Virtual Staff Room. And we're also on Twitter and, of course, Instagram at, at Dynamic Depths. So, Steve, any thoughts about where we should start? We've had loads of responses to this, which I think is quite telling. Absolutely. Uh, do you know what? I thought that for a bank holiday Monday when we are recording and we put the post out, actually, the engagement straight away was really interesting to see. And it comes from both points of view, with people sharing their experience as a leader, uh, but also from other staff in what they would like to see in the ideal scenario from their leadership team. Um, now, what I would say is that if I had to blanket it straight away and put it in a sentence, it's that a lot of our staff and our leadership feel that it is important. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not necessary, but people feel it's important that leadership have a commitment to teaching. Now that does not mean one or two days a week. That means that there is some regularity for them to be teaching 
in order to perform well as a leader as well and to reflect on what the school needs um, and to help with the growth of their own staff. It's better that it comes from a leader that is with some kind of teaching commitment. Yeah, so I think you're right. There's an overwhelmingly positive response to the idea of leaders retaining some sort of uh, teaching uh, responsibility. And as you say, no one seems to be dictating how regular that should have to be. But one thing I'll say off the mark, Steve, before we unpick some of the reasons why people have said, yes, leaders should teach. Is there a distinction, do you think, between what I was doing uh, a month ago, the, the PPA cover once a fortnight, and the kind of actually I have a class I'm just I'm interested in in what differences you would imagine in those things because you've probably done mm -hmm. both in your deputy head career absolutely I I know going from assistant head teacher to deputy I initially I was an out of class deputy and then circumstances the following year um, with a difficult recruitment drive I opted to go back into class and be part-time year six teacher in the essence I was doing the the mornings, uh, which consists of the core subjects. And then I had uh, a trainee who was doing my afternoons and I was developing that person who's actually gone on to be a phenomenal year six teacher. Um, but if I had to say from the outside looking in, there was a clear distinction between when I was out of class and would do PPA cover like you, how you're looked upon as being part of the the team as such. If I'm only doing a PPA commitment, I'm covering an afternoon, maybe two afternoons a week. And interestingly, it came from a point of the wider curriculum and children. Have you ever experienced the scenario where teachers say the children are so much more focused before lunch than they are after lunch? Yeah. And you think, OK, um, I can understand that children have lunch can get. Um, you get the mass fallouts on the football pitch, for example. But mm -hmm. when you're a teacher doing PPA and you're only having them in the afternoon, you can relate to that and to how problematic afternoons could be. Uh, but you haven't got the regularity of that class having you as a teacher. So as you're probably experiencing now, Russ, with a year one who you probably didn't have the strongest connections with initially. Um, I don't know. You can definitely tell me more about that in a minute. But as a year six teacher... Um, and a deputy I knew that when being in class sure I had my teacher hat on and for me I was like you feeling can't do it all perfectly because I've got my year six hat and I know what the drive is towards the end of the year and they were my they were my little family that I would relate to and then getting out of class in the afternoon putting on the whole school hat was sometimes difficult at times because I was still reflecting on what I need to do as a teacher um, but then again from within a teaching team and uh, you're looking at staff meetings and CPD you definitely feel that you're more you're you're closer and you're more relatable with the staff who are teaching day in day out because any implemented changes that might come from above you they might come from a trust for example they're implemented upon you as well and you can therefore see the value and maybe the 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 not so valued um expressions of what you're being given and you can juggle it up as a full-time teacher at least for the days that you're teaching as to what your expectations are and what you're taking home and when it's too much so you can be a leader that's really understanding of that situation because you are in it for a couple of days a week yeah yeah i just wanted to start by making that distinction really and and it's not to say that one's better or worse than the other although mm. um 
I'm definitely learning more about my colleagues' experiences from teaching regularly rather than the PPA. I mean, look, PPA cover looks different for different people, but I'm happy yeah. to put my hands up and say, uh, up to now, I've probably had a pretty cushy uh, arrangement with PPA. You know, I've been in year six, which is a, a year group and a curriculum that I know like the back of my hand because of years of teaching in year six. I can rock up to that classroom on the morning have a really good look at the planning on that morning and deliver that well and cope well and 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 that's it that's my day done whereas the the teaching commitment and having your own class is as anyone who still teaches knows a completely different um kettle of fish it's it's all the wider things that comes with that whether that be the relationships with parents whether that be the extra admin you have to do as a, as a teacher constantly, even in a school with fairly sensible policies, whether that be, you know, I've got a speech and language referral that I've got to do for mm-hmm. one of my pupils that's been you know, half done on my desktop for, for a good few days now. And I know how important it is and I just can't get to it, you know. So it's remembering how all those other little bits build up, you know, picking the picking the child for the Friday flyer assembly who needs the certificate, all these little things in isolation that aren't huge, but build up on your to-do list as a teacher very quickly. Um, it's been a refreshing reminder of those things. But hey, let's get into the Facebook comments. So you started by saying, look, overwhelmingly positive about the idea of leaders teaching. Could you maybe pick one comment, Steve, that that points to a particular reason why someone thinks that's important? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm reading Shabazz's uh, comment here where Shabazz strongly believes that leaders should have some sort of teaching commitment. There's a lovely explanation as to for a teacher, you used to find it frustrating being told by people who haven't been in the class for over 10 years how to teach, but also a reflection on, as a senior leader, insisting on having teaching commitments because it's really important when you are delivering change and new initiatives to say, I'll be doing this too. And that means a huge amount to the staff who you are working with because <laughs> it can feel really double-edged. You're, even if it's a an initiative you think is for the positive and you're driving it as a leader, if you're not experiencing that initiative, you can't wholly hand on heart say you know the impact of it as a teacher. Yeah. Whereas if you're in class, you totally do. Definitely. Do you know what this whole conversation has reminded me of? Is that, do you remember that program on under, Undercover Boss? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, these really well-meaning CEOs or, or leaders went and spent, you know, a few days in, in the lives of their, let's say, factory workers or, you know, whoever it was. And it was like their mind was blown because they were seeing exactly what you're describing, their policies, their approaches actually lived out on the ground and both the positive and the negative side of those policies. And just to give a personal example of that, um, I've driven curriculum development alongside a couple of other senior leaders for the last few years. And that's overwhelmingly been positive for the school and you know it was the wider curriculum came out quite well in our inspection and various things but going down to year one I've been really struck by the five and six-year-oldness of a five and a six-year-old and Mm. how when I designed that curriculum or co-designed that curriculum and wrote unit overviews I didn't spend enough time understanding the developmental stage of a five or a six-year-old. I didn't think about the fact that 
particularly exacerbated by COVID, I suppose. But I, I didn't think about the limitations of poor vocabulary at that age. I didn't mm-hmm. think about the fact that an activity that might have that child needing to cut something out can take three times as long than I would have visualised because they can't hold the scissors correctly or that transitions take 50 times longer at this age because <laughs> they've not got it nailed yet. And that was a real kind of blind spot in my leadership that I just wouldn't have fully understood unless I spent a few weeks teaching a year one class. People could have told me and I'd have been respectful and I'd have listened. And of course, I wouldn't have ignored those comments. And I'm sure I've had bits and bobs said to me from Key Stage 1 or early years colleagues in the last few years to that effect. But seeing it yourself is different. You know, if I was going in and designing those exact same units now, I would cut content massively. I would think much more about the under lying skills that were going to allow those children to access that curriculum and i know this uh, this is something that some great people like emma turner have written about in blogs before about just not losing the understanding of child development when they're little and you know i'm happy to eat humble pie over that and just say i've i've never fully understood that as well as i should have as a senior leader and uh you know it's just been so refreshing to go and spend time with five and six year olds and think right? What do they really need at this age? And I think what Shabazz has said there in his comments are, are spot on. You you mm. can't see how your policies are being lived out unless you, you you kind of breathe it. Now, do you need a full teaching commitment to understand that? Probably not. No. But do you need some, some teaching commitment or some commitment to being in classrooms uh, on a fairly frequent basis? Mm. I think probably yes. Can I just add, though, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm hearing you and I'm thinking... You also need to be a reflective leader. Yeah. You clearly are in that what you have just said is that you will be making tweaks to your key stage one curriculum. Now, you could have, I'm not saying you ever would, but you could have gone in and you could have really driven your the curriculum you co-created yourself and said, come on, we can still do this. But actually, you're reflecting on the reality of it. And that is a massive distinction between those who teach and lead against those who are maybe the more armchair leaders who sit back and they, they plan their curriculum. And, and it's beautiful. It's so hypothetical, but it's beautiful. And you can see the clear progression mm-hmm. and you've got, it's delivered out to the whole of the school. And it's like, go, uh, go and do it. But actually what you're living through now as a teacher has really enlightened you into how you make tweaks. And that's, that's amazing. And that's a quality that you've got as a reflective leader. I would be interested though, have you one previously given any feedback that maybe the curriculum wasn't so tight for their children or or is it something you've just noticed as being a teacher i don't know to be honest i think i think comments have been sometimes made to the effect of uh, like our timetable for example you know any anyone that wants to fit all of the primary curriculum in and have some sort of rigor and balance to it and particularly if you work in an area of disadvantage like we do where our children need a lot of rigor and a lot of structure that the, the downside to that is our timetable is pretty crammed and pretty back to back and you know the teachers themselves will quite often say i don't really know what can give because it's all important i do need handwriting i do need this grammar practice i do need all these curriculum areas but sometimes it feels over over stuff people have said that to that effect uh, right across the school to be fair not just in lower school mm. and i've always been sympathetic to that view because I do generally have the view of 
less done well is 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 good in 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 most aspects of life to be honest but certainly in curriculum and um, we've spoken about it in in various curriculum episodes haven't we that depth versus yeah. um you know coverage mm-hmm. argument but i think you know you, your understanding is at a deeper level when you see it for yourself and you try and enact it yourself and um, i just wanted to pick up on another comment i've seen which talks about a similar thing but a, a, a slight different slant on it that i quite like and it's cheryl smith and she talks about a recently appointed deputy doing uh, most of her teaching commitment across key stage one and just on that point, I think it is really helpful if your senior leaders cover a range of age phases because the perspectives in in lower school are so different to upper school. Life does look very different. Um, but she says this gives her a working overview of the whole phase. It also allows her to experience the changing nature of the mm. cohort. Um, I'm sure it's not just us that have additional issues with social issues and general learning, learning to learn post-COVID. And that's really interesting because that is a common message, isn't it? And uh, that thing of changing cohort, this year, one cohort I've been in, have been thrown into in the space of um, one year have gone from one of the lowest SEN cohorts in, mm. in school, as in having the lowest proportion of SEN, to now being the joint highest proportion of SEN um, in the school. And I wasn't oblivious to this prior to, to going into the class. I was very aware of it. But we've had an enormous amount of children join us from other local settings with additional needs in that cohort. And you do see, again, you see it differently from the inside, both in terms of the positives about what works for some of those young people and two, just like the negative, the challenge of that and how we face that. I think what's been exciting for me is helping to problem solve from within, you know, and, and thinking about uh, w- what curriculum adaptations we can make. And I think for my colleagues in year one, I think it's sometimes been quite nice having a senior leader in the team that almost gives that immediate permission to make those changes. Because mm-hmm. people are quite worried about that, aren't they? And then they sort of turn to you as the te- as a teacher within the team. And you're going, yeah, we need to get them out for an afternoon break or whatever it might be. Yeah. Or, and it's like, oh, okay, cool, we can do that. No one's gonna, no one's gonna tell me off. That's not going to be a negative. And I, I like that it's given people that sense of permission and comfort to have those conversations with me and probably building up their own trust in that what they are feeling right is normally the correct thing to do yeah um and i can totally sympathize with that because if you had one of your senior leaders within your team and you're discussing problem solving like you say that i mean think how many issues we get crop up in an average day some of them big some of them small but they're still needing to be solved and the ones that involve the leadership, if you can give an on-the-spot directive or, or at most say, I'll discuss it tonight, I'll get back to us in the morning. And you do, instead of needing to go through protocols and, and waiting for the right opportunity to catch the leader after school or after a staff meeting and then wait for a response or you email and it never comes back. If you've got someone there within your team, that's comforting at worst and it's actually proactive and and much more resourceful at best so that's what we want and hats off to every leader who's actually engaging with teaching commitment because i know it's never easy and there's so much more outside your job that needs to be done but if you are there at that time and i totally agree with the changing nature of a cohort in year you don't have to wait until you're having a ppm for example to then discuss the cohort and you will know and best thing that i'm thinking right now russell is that 
in that year one team, you will know characters so, so well <laughs> that, that not only at the uh, in the pupil progress meeting or at the end of the year in transition, but these little people are going to be year two next year and it, you won't be their teacher next year. Um, however, you will you will have such a grasp of where they're at that that's going to benefit your school hugely. I mean, I feel it's really vital that leaders teach because, because of that. If you know these children well and their journey and you know them as individuals and not just a piece of data, which can happen with some leadership, that's only going to enhance the learning experience at the school. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really valid point, Steve, just knowing those individual children at a deeper level, um, that kind of cohort-specific level. And I think, you know, it's been nice for me to have a real impact within a cohort we were worried about. You know, we're worried about Mm -hmm. them for all sorts of reasons, but attainment-wise across the school, they're one of the lower-attaining cohorts. So, you know, as a deputy head, yes, I have to have this big strategic impact on things like curriculum or the subjects that I might oversee like maths, but I also need to have a more, it's almost like those middle leadership skills haven't died, you know, mm. that of, of really getting in and helping a nitty gritty with one particular problem, because that's often where middle leadership is more satisfying than senior leadership sometimes, because yeah. you, you can have a huge impact on say one year group or one subject. And I think it's been nice to have an element of my job that does look a little bit more at the granular level of what happens in a, a, a cohort we were worried about. And I know I'm having more impact from within than I would from my office, you know, or with a few meetings after school. And at this point, I'd also want to say is not not all senior leaders, but many senior leaders were very, very strong, capable teachers. And, you know, one day you stepped out of the mm-hmm. class and the profession lost you. Uh, you know, lost you as a teacher. They gained uh, hopefully a brilliant leader, but they lost you as a teacher. And it's kind of brought back that kind of confidence to me that, oh, yeah, you're a pretty decent teacher. <laughs> and actually, not only were you a pretty decent teacher, but you're now coming at it with all, all that you knew about good teaching when you left the classroom, but all that you've learned as a senior leader that has observed thousands of lessons, had a bit more reflective time about pedagogy, has run loads of podcasts with great minds and things you know so I'm going back to the class actually feeling a bit more skilled than I did when I left it Uh, you know rusty on a few things transitions and the slickness of my day but that quickly comes back it's actually not forgetting that you as senior leaders listening like many of you will have so much to offer as a teacher and what makes great teaching and in any society or culture, we look to experienced people to pass on that wealth of knowledge to their less experienced, uh, either family members, peers, colleagues, etc. We should be doing that more in teaching, you know, for senior leaders that have got that bit more experience, have taught for a few years, made loads of mistakes, had successes. Bring that back into the classroom with you and 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 show that to those colleagues, particularly the less experienced colleagues, because they will benefit from that. And for me, the main way that's been is I've been planning all the maths and I've been a math specialist for a long time. So I've really enjoyed the challenge of planning year one maths and not getting it perfect yet. But hopefully my colleagues are, are benefiting from that. Um, any other comments there, Steve, that are standing out to you? I was looking at a comment from Joanne who is in the classroom for three days and out of the class for two days for leadership. And I think she hits now on the, hot, on the head with the first sentence, the enjoyment of teaching the pupils. Mm. That's amazing. Leadership can be, and I've experienced it, going from out of the classroom to part-time teacher. Then I was out of the class full-time, but 
lead on teaching and learning. So I was like, um, I need to go back into class. So you can't lead on teaching and learning if you're never in class. Um, and I've, I've experienced um, out, in, out, in. Now, leadership can be really heavy. It can be bogged down. And I would hate to be a pen pusher. When I think of my previous career as a lawyer, it wasn't the legal work within the office that was in the enjoyment. It was actually getting into court and, and being with people. Um, and even though it's a stressful job, it was just that experience of being around people and, and communicating. And that's the same with teaching. The, the enjoyment is the light bulb moments for children. It's the the happiness of being a team of adults, of success for, for pupils on their needs and not just on formulating tick sheets and going, yeah, we've done this. And it's preparing a classroom. Like you said, it's planning and actually planning deeply because you're learning as well. It's all of that part that gets lost in translation when you're just a leader that's out of class. Um, and I know it's not possible for every leader to be in class. We'll get to that later. But the good combination of being out of class and also having teaching responsibility is, as Joanne says, firsthand, you get to see what's working within terms of planning, expectations that are set by the school that you've helped set. Are they reasonable? It enables your co-workers to see you as an equal and not someone who just gives instructions. So you think about how you never want a hierarchical system. If you're you're in there and you're experiencing it, then it does make it gentle. And as you were talking a minute ago, Russell, I was thinking, do you think now, Russ, that when you are leading CPD and staff meetings, etc., do you think your peers will see you any differently, the fact that you're a year one teacher as well? Um, mm-hmm. or, or do you think that's quite superficial? And actually, as a leader, you're a good leader, and therefore there, there wasn't that barrier to begin with. That's a great question. I'd like to think my colleagues <laughs> on the whole thought, yeah, thought yeah. I knew what I was talking about most of the time, but I definitely think my lower school colleagues are bound to see see me a bit differently. And and that's a good thing, right? I I, I, mm. I would I would I would hope that they would experience what I have to say a bit differently because I've definitely been humble enough not to walk in and think I know it all. I've not gone in pretending that everything I'm doing is amazing. I've very much gone in the spirit of learning and 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 being honest about that, you know, and I like on Thursday and Friday that I live the life of a teacher. I have lunch in the staff room with my lower school colleagues during their lunchtime and you know if I've had a rubbish morning like I did on Thursday where I felt like it was really hard and I could really (laughs) feel the effects of them having had a bank holiday and then a strike day off on the Tuesday I came in and went blimey well that didn't go right this morning you know and I'll say that and I think that's important because you know I, I I'm learning and I'm I'm trying to figure it out myself and teaching's hard isn't it it's just difficult mm-hmm. and you know I had a day like that on Thursday and a bit of events to my colleagues and bounce some ideas around and then Friday I had a great day so I think it's um I'd like to think they do see me actually a bit differently and perhaps I'd also like to think that I'll take that extra bit of thought when I'm preparing a staff meeting to consider what does this really look like for you in in year one, say? Yeah, and it's so funny as you say that. I'm thinking as a parent now, when I was at my last school, I didn't have a little and walking around at home. And I was desperate to gain more knowledge of EYFS and the practicing there because I had to do uh, walk arounds and observations from time to time. And, you know, you feel 
how do I, I know what good teaching is, but I've never experienced life as an EYFS teacher. So you kind of feel a little bit fraudulent in that respect. And I didn't even have a, a child. Now I've got one who's about to attend reception and it does make you think, and it really is enlightened me into how that, that molded mind that's growing up in those early years where you think, gosh, uh, if I had 30 of these in a the classroom, then sure, the, I mean, hats off to any EYFS teacher. They don't want my daughter to come into their class in uh, September. But um, yeah, it does, you do see it from different angles. So I can totally imagine, and I love that you sat in the staff room and you said, that was a little bit crap this morning because <laughs> that that's the honesty that people need to hear because people are thinking that that don't feel they can always share it. If they're hearing a leader um, openly talking and not, not doing it in a stressful situation, just like, yeah, like you said, two days, that's what we're paying for. Bank holiday strike day, the children are going to be off the wall at times then. So it's that little bit of honesty that can be so comforting and that can save someone from going from a little bit stressed to feeling like they are not doing a great job when actually reality is we have highs and lows from minute to minute, let alone from day to day as a teacher. So seeing someone ride it and seeing someone experienced going through it, your head all can come together to find a solution. And I think, you know, picking up that point you're just making there, Steve, is is feeling like you've got a leader a leader that's sort of got your back that is is looking out for you and understanding the challenges and sometimes those challenges are very I almost use the word silly but they're not silly but like practical things like resources you know um mm. going into year one where we use whiteboards and whiteboard pens every single day in phonics and then quite often in maths and I'm like well for my first week every lesson started with my pen's not working my pen's not working mm-hmm. my pen's not. so it's like right on the friday you know i sit and i test every single pen and throw away all the ones that don't work and i'm left with like 15 pens for my class of 30 what do you go to do straight away because you need them for monday you go on amazon you order yourself a pack of 10 do you know what i mean and these are the things that teachers are doing all the time just to keep their own yep. sanity and it's not right at all um and and sometimes as a senior leader you experience that yourself overnight you think well i'm being paid at deputy head wage i can stomach that i bought a pack of pens but a lot of teachers are not on my mm-hmm. wage and don't have spare money and they're still spending it because they just want to come in and teach with no interruption and perhaps it's a faff mm-hmm. for them to have to go and ask for extra resources or they're not given what they need in order to do their job sufficiently or they're expected yeah. or no the business manager's going to say no or they have yeah. to do paperwork and wait a couple of weeks and you can't wait a couple of weeks because you've got lesson tomorrow yeah 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 yep. so i think yeah. that having someone that sort of yeah voice is is a voice for you is great and i didn't want to overlook the point you made earlier because you made it very briefly but it's a really valid one is the joy is the that that, mm. that you know for me it's given me it's definitely given me a new lease of life this term. Yes, there's some negatives and we'll get onto the kind of negatives or challenges at the end of the episode, but it has rejuvenated a bit of passion for me. You know, I've had a hard year. I've been honest about that on the podcast. I've had ups and downs, but it has definitely given me a new little area of school life that has been a joy, if I'm honest. And I don't think I would have got that in any other year group maybe reception (laughs) but year one you know going in you've been a key stage one teacher steve and these children adore you adore school Mm -hmm. want to work hard for you the progress they can make is insane if 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 you work hard and give them lots of good feedback so uh, it's been very rewarding 
for me in the last few weeks. I'm only a few weeks in, and yes, there are challenges we'll get onto. But yeah, there's there's certainly some joy. Are we missing before we get onto those challenges, Steve? Are there any other kind of angles here for why it's important that we haven't covered? Visibility is a lovely word, isn't it? Because even if people are not having a teaching commitment, I know from working with leaders who are more more like leaning towards the invisible end of uh, being a school leader. That I mean, we haven't touched on. I was going to mention it earlier, but. Your connection with families mm. right now in that year one class must be superb. Like they see you as Mr. Pearson, a teacher as well as the leader. And some of them parents you may not have met previously. Some of them you may have met negatively, possibly for a behavior. Um, and now you're seeing them daily. For you as a school leader, you're getting to know the parents and their psychic scores, whether some are nervous attending a school um value in school etc but uh, for them as well there must be like a a nice easy to know they probably feel quite secure with you is yeah what I'm i think so and you know uh, visibility is a great word and i think as a senior leadership team on the whole we we when we're not class-based we do a reasonably good job we're there to support with things like behavior we're out on that playground every morning and we do engage parents but yeah on a more granular level you're getting to know a certain set of parents that i definitely didn't know so well that's uh, got to be positive for the for the future for the school um i just wanted to maybe pick up on one more area because i've flown over to our twitter uh comments steve and there's there's mm-hmm. all the same sorts of things that people said on our facebook group about credibility about kind of that authenticity and so on but uh, uh colette says i think it's important to get your fingernails dirty how can you remember what it's like to teach a six period day if you don't teach at all i think that that last point that i'd maybe make is about workload and i near the beginning of the podcast said that about the distinction between being a ppa teacher that i was for you know four and a half years and now a an actual teacher a part-time teacher in in yeah. in the school and here I am on bank holiday Monday in the evening and I'm speaking to you, but next to me is a pile of English books from fr- Friday's lovely bit of writing about Jack and the Beanstalk. I'm trying to do a whole class feedback slide, um, two and a bit lessons into the maths planning <laughs> I'm, I'm doing for the team uh, and that needs finishing and it's 9.30. That side of things isn't really fun. I'm not, I'm not loving that again. Look, I'm not naive. I didn't not mm. know my colleagues do this. You know, it's I was very aware of it. It's just seeing it and feeling it firsthand different. And that's not to say that senior leaders don't have crazy workload, but it's a different kind of workload. And I remember in my previous school, when I wasn't in the class at all, saying to the deputy head yeah. there, I was the assistant head, I feel really guilty. You know, I'm watching my colleagues at the end of the day go out with their pile of English books or whatever, and I don't do that anymore for the first time ever. Like, you know, what do you think? And she said something to me about, no, you you don't have as much of that kind of workload now. You just have a little bit more mental baggage. And I was kind of like, I didn't really get what she she meant. And I thought, oh, that's a bit of a, that's a, bit of a soft answer to kind of make yourself feel a bit better about the guilt. But I came to appreciate over the next well eight or nine years across two schools what she meant that you know in senior leadership you, you your workload is different um you, there is often work needed to to do at home but it's not that kind of with with a daily grind of teaching there's a there's mm. an immediacy to everything that needs doing isn't there you know you get it on that day 
there's certain things that absolutely need to be done and ready by nine. You know, as a senior leader, there are often some things like that, whether that be for a meeting with a parent or a safeguarding issue or so on. But then the, you can manage your time a bit more. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And and you can kind of make lists and say, actually, I'll get that done on Thursday. And as a teacher, you you, you don't have that privilege. No. Does that make sense? It, it absolutely does make sense. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about as a leader, which we'll get to in a short second. My only thinking, Russ, is that do you feel there'll be any slight changes made from your experiences as the mm. teacher workload? You do? Uh, well, no, I was just laughing because I'm not sure how much can. And I think that's... Yes, yes, I, I think that's, which is the crux of it. <laughs> I, think, I think we've got a school system that is based on goodwill mm. and would literally mm-hmm. fall apart if people worked the hours they were contracted to work um and that's yeah. sad i think what i've always known about teaching i've never forgotten how hard teaching is and how hard i worked as a te- class-based teacher and the hours i put in and i know you were the same steve but i've always felt in teaching leadership and and class responsibility that teachers aren't shy about working hard i think they just want to feel that what they're doing has an impact and you know i think at my school compared to the other schools i've worked at we do have sensible policies i do think our planning expectations are uh fair and reasonable i think our marking policies as good as it can be you know as i say i'm doing a whole class feedback slide for monday i'm not uh, for tuesday i'm not i'm not um making written comments in 30 books i'm flicking through the books and picking out some key headlines and that'll take me about half an hour as opposed to two and a half hours but it still didn't get done on Friday when I would have liked to do it after school. And that's partly because I am wearing two hats. And so Mm -hmm. I, you know, last week I had some parent tours to uh, some, not parent tours, some candidate tours to do after school on my teaching days when I should have been marking the book. So that's the challenge as a senior leader is you're trying to do both those things still, I guess. Yeah. You said it goodwill. And it is shocking that we're in a profession that just relies on that fundamentally and yeah i think maybe then is now's the opportunity to consider the so-called negatives yeah from having a teaching commitment yeah or challenges i guess and mm. I, I think mm. i think there'll be some leaders listening feeling a, a little bit rubbish maybe because they're hearing our points and thinking yeah they're right you know that i should be teaching more but i actually don't know how i would fit it all in and i'm really i'm empathetic to that point of view because you know as i said to you earlier i don't sit around twiddling my thumbs on my leadership days you know we're very often back to back and and crammed it's all trade-offs right you know you choose to put russell in a class a couple of extra days a week where you lose some capacity in your senior leadership so i know for a fact that you know my colleagues on a thursday and friday are doing a bit more running around dealing with the frontline emergencies because the there's fewer of us around and and i can imagine you'd feel guilty about yeah that. yeah of course you do you know i get to the end of end of the the week and i read my cpoms you know for the last yeah. two days for all the behavior stuff all the parent stuff and i think you know some some days i think you know i wouldn't be ashamed to say you feel slightly grateful you've been in a class <laughs> you know you've been, yeah you know, you've worked yeah. really hard in the class but you you've been away from some of that stuff and uh, mm. you think yeah i know i know i would have been phoning that parent or dealing with that behavior or whatever it might be so yes it, it, there are trade-offs and i think in it, senior leadership teams need to have really honest conversations about 
um, how they manage teaching commitments um, and still have capacity as a leadership team to be visible for things like behaviour. So, so actually, one massive challenge is capacity of not a leader as a person, but the leadership team overall. I think so. I think that needs carefully thinking about. And, you know, when I was asked to do this by my head, we had a really honest conversation about, look, I made a list, you know, here are some knock-ons to me being um in the class for two days a week you know when i've only been in once a fortnight we need to think about these things and some of them are really easy practical changes you know some swapping of duties and things uh and and some assemblies that i was doing and and various other things uh Mm. and and then some are are just stuff we just have to deal with or all my colleagues now have to deal with so um that's one challenge i don't know if you've you've picked up on any other challenges steve well you just said about the duties and assemblies etc which juggling two hats of leading even the practicalities of just leading an assembly yet having to get your class to to that assembly you've got to think about your timing skip Mm. there in time so you can set up and prepare for your assembly i was just thinking though russell when you're in class on those two days has there had to be a trade-off with any of your other leadership team being more available so therefore changing their ppa or anything with people just to make sure you have capacity outside the classroom so not in terms of days they were covering people or anything but we definitely did have to move around some of the assembly days so i do still do one assembly on a day i teach on a thursday i do the key stage one kind of maths assembly number bonds times table assembly and that's kind of doable and doesn't put a big strain on my day. But the assembly I really wasn't willing to still do, which I used to do on a Thursday, which I now do on a Wednesday when I'm out of class, was my singing assembly. Because I essentially do an hour mm. of singing. I do 30 minutes in lower school and 30 minutes in upper school. So one that just practically couldn't have happened um, if I had put that on a, th- you know, kept that on a Thursday. And two, as you say, it's it's all the setting up and things, you know, for something like a singing assembly, you get out there, you tune your guitar, you get the words up on the screen. And these these might sound like silly things, but they're things that would make you feel very, very stressed if you were running late or you were making a shoddy job of it. So we did have to swap things around a bit. And I think probably my colleagues who are out in those days are seeing that they can't book like quite as much in on those days as they might have before and uh, you know, I feel for one of my assistant heads, that is the end of the week. He He's out and has been all year. So he's had that teaching commitment all year and he's out on those days. So I don't know how much of an impact that's had for him, but I imagine he's probably having to use his time quite wisely and and be realistic about how much he's booking in on those days now. Yeah, absolutely. I've only got one more challenge that I can think of, and I've actually seen that Alison has mentioned it on Facebook even with a teaching timetable, the teaching's not always prioritised because mm. too often SLT can regularly miss their teaching commitments due to emergency meetings that have come up or a safeguarding issue or a child in the school uh, behaviour has raised and they're like, you're the person that knows this person best. We need yeah. you out there to to reassure this child and get them back to their learning. And And then the expectation is... Um, my support staff member in the class, can you just man the fort whilst I... Yeah. And that lesson has just, no matter where it was, it's not that the support staff is... You know where you are in your mind. The children are all set. It's taken a curve. And it might not be a bad curve, but it's still, it's still taken a dip. Mm. And there's just this element of, 
you then feel like your head's all over the place. The children know how that's all. Everyone's yeah been jarred by something. Yeah. Sometimes it's just not the teaching commitment is not prioritized. And you just and you think, oh, it's in my, it's in my teaching commitment. Yeah. And then there's this reflection from others of like, well, they're just going to get called out anyway. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Um, I think that's a great point, Steve. I think, you know, if, if a senior leader is committed to that teaching time, that has to be treated treated as kind of sacrosanct. And if you, you can't commit to it, I mean, there's a couple of things that trump everything, aren't there? Like really serious safeguarding issues. But then yeah. if you planned it well, like the days I'm in, the head teacher is around. So I shouldn't be needed mm-hmm. for those unless there's been an emergency with her. Um, yeah, but really serious safeguarding issues, really, really serious behavior things. But again, that's about capacity. There should be other people out and available, which for me, there is. So I'm not dealing with those. Mm-hmm. But it does completely undermine all the benefits of you being in class, all this stuff around credibility, if you can't even be in there when you're meant to be. So I think kind of final reflection would be is if you're a senior leader, in particular, particularly a head, I really feel for heads in this, it's a harder thing for them than say an assistant head yeah. or a deputy, they are the ultimately accountable person in the building that has to be there to answer that phone call, whatever. Um, I should have probably mentioned Ofsted as the other thing that trumps pretty much everything and needing to come out of class. Um, but mm. for a head, coming back to that point about visibility, how do you build time into your week that is sacrosanct, that allows you in classes, even if you're not teaching from the front, but that that time where it's normal to see you in 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 people's classrooms so you can to some degree feel and experience the both the the benefits and the challenges of teaching a class i think that would be my final reflection mm-hmm. uh, for anyone that just thinks oh, well i can't do it in my school and, and and ultimately you know as a head or as a deputy your your number one thing and i know there's lots of other things that you have to do that are essential is to improve outcomes for children in that school and that is ultimately about the quality of education so if you're never in classrooms ever how can you possibly argue that you're having an impact to the quality of education uh, for all the reasons we've discussed earlier about it in theory hypothetically from your from your desk you can't fully understand it so um yeah be a bit like the undercover boss you don't need to put a wig on and a uh, and a silly outfit and call yourself <laughs> a different name but yeah show up a bit for people and um yeah steve if it's all right with you i'd love to record an episode about what life as a year one teacher's been like because it's been a oh, been a ride i would love it definitely tell us about the the true stories in, in year one awesome i will do that well thank you so much for listening everybody it's been a joy to be back and to be chatting to my best mate again i really hope that you found something in this episode useful or interesting if nothing else Please remember, as I said earlier, we have the Teachers Virtual Staff Room, which is a really supportive Facebook group um, and Twitter and Instagram at Dynamic Depth. And shameless plug, but don't forget, we also do have a book uh, that we wrote a couple of years ago now that we don't really plug very often anymore. But Talking Teaching with the Dynamic Deputies, uh, inspiring CPD for every teacher. We've had some really nice reviews online about it. And if you fancy a look, it's a nice, easy read. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. The Dynamic Deputy. Mm-hmm.